Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. You have a Bible this morning. Tell you what, it's I hope been a good holiday time for you, and I know that we've got to get through pretty much next Sunday. And then things will look like begin to straighten up and head forth into the new year. In the meantime, we want to finish out the old year correctly, best we can. Amen. I got to tell you, the last two days I did nothing. That was the plan. <laughs> Do nothing. <laughs> but I am, uh, about that time, I was riding down the road and I had seen a man pass by and I told my wife, I said, where'd that guy go? And she said, I don't know. So I went around the block and I found him walking. And I parked the car and tried to get out of the traffic's way and, and I jumped out and I gave him an invitation to church. I just felt that unction, you know, you just want to get people going in the right direction. Everybody said amen. amen. I had to make sure he didn't think I was crazy, <laughs> you know, jumping out of the car, hey. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you never know when God will deal with somebody and they'll have their opportunity. And I want everybody to have that opportunity, I can tell you that. I'm in Luke this morning. Thank you, dear God. Luke chapter 8. Now in Luke chapter 8, there, of course, is a whole lot of good things. It's all good, right? We really have the book that we can say it's all good. All right. But in Luke chapter 8, look at verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wear no clothes neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. 
Then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus, and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which sought told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Everybody said praise the Lord. I'd like to work for just a little while this morning on acquiring the right mind. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. We're living in a world that people are certainly of the wrong mind. And such were some of us, as the Scripture plainly says. We were all born in sin, shapen or misshapen, in and by iniquity or lawlessness. And uh, there came a day, though, in our lives, by the grace of God, the favor of God, the love of God, the power of God, the mercy of God, and the compassion of God, that we were talked to, we were witnessed to. Somebody had a burden to tell us about what God did for them and what he could do for you or each and every one of us. And we, somehow, through the terrible environment in which we live, through the tremendous confusion of this world in which we live, somehow, we believed. We believed what was witnessed to us. I remember coming to, I was actually in need of a job. I had come to a crossroads in life. And you know, you think it's just, you're rolling with things. And, and I guess this is how we roll, you know. And you don't really know what's going on. And you, uh, but God has purpose, not just purpose. He has eternal purpose in mind. And I had an agreement with the boss that he was going to fire me and I was going to quit. Basically shook hands and separated. And uh, wasn't a good time. Told somebody the other day, you sure picked a, Bad time to take a stinky spirit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, evil spirits do stink. And uh, so I, I, uh, it was a tough time. Probably six months along in the pregnancy and suddenly you find that you have no income. You've been working 70 hours a week and now you're down to zero. But there was a man who had actually built the plaza, and God gave me favor with him, and uh, he got me a job with his brother. Well, you know, it's kind of like the Apostle Paul history teaches that every time they set a guard 
they practically had to change the guards every hour on the hour with the Apostle Paul because he was converting them left and right. <laughs> and so they were losing their guards, if you please. And uh, uh, the man that I began to work for, the, the brother of this general contractor, he was a subcontractor. And uh, I was blessed to get a job with him, and I was in no position to argue. You know, God can put you in a position where, you know, you, you get in a place the Bible called a place of hearing. He gets you in a place where maybe he slows you down enough that you'll listen a little bit. And uh, hopefully, in your listening, you'll believe. So, it came to pass that we uh, found ourselves, everybody said praise the Lord. Give God a big hand, Brother Tom, you want to say hello? Thank God and thank God and thank God and thank God and thank God. Amen and amen. Well, when I went to work for the gentleman, uh, he was in the church and he was uh, on fire. And uh, didn't take too many minutes into knowing him and working for him that he began to witness to me, which was all new to me. I didn't have a clue about anything about God or his word. I'd never read the Bible. And here I was, you know, 20 years of age, and that was a great thing to have in your resume. Never read the Bible. Wow. So... Uh, I remember that he offered me a Bible. It was a small little uh, pocket size, riding along to work that day. And um, I remember he, he put it out and he said, would you like this? And I said, nah. Boy, was I an idiot or what? Unbelieving. I didn't want anything to do with that Bible, that book. What's that to me? You know. But um, that didn't discourage him in the least. I think, if anything, it motivated him. And uh, it wasn't too many days hence. And God just dealing with my heart. All new to me, and I'm not even aware of it. Boy, dull as all get out. And uh, But I, I remember driving again with him, and, and uh, I said, you know that Bible you offered me? Could I have that? Well, he didn't pull out a little small Bible to put in your pocket. He pulled out a Bible about as big as this Bible, and, and uh, I began to read it. Now, you know, you got to read the book. You've got to get into chapter and verse and subject matter. You've got to read the Word of the Lord. And, uh, you know, man's not is going to live by every word. That's what your Bible says. Every word. There's everything about God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. 1,189 chapters, close to 800,000 words in the King James Version of the Bible. is good. And it's going to help you. And when people bring the Word of God to you, it's going to help you. I'm talking about people of the book, people of truth. When they bring this Word to you, when they bring the testimony of Jesus Christ to you, it is going to help you. One place it said, come and go with us. We will do thee good. And if you're going to work with God and work with His church, 
you're going to find that it will do you good. Not going to hurt you or harm you. Not going to cause you to go in wrong directions and wrong ways. But it's going to help you. It's going to be a blessing to you. It's going to be an encouragement to you. It's going to be healing to you when you're sick. Certainly going to be salvation to you when you're lost. The church is saying, come on and go with us. We'll do you good. We'll do you good. And, and that's what I found to be in my initial experience. I was just uh, reading. And, you know, we had we had just a little old apartment. And uh, the television had broken. We put it in the shop. Didn't have any money to get it out. I told you God was working. Oh, it got quiet. And uh, so I, uh, I'd come home and I'd, we'd just open the Bible and we'd read the Bible together. And I can tell you that has a much more positive effect on your life than sitting down and watching Hollywood together and all their junk and all their filth and all their wrong ways. Here we were, just two sinner kids. I robbed the cradle, honey. She was she was young. I had to do what the Bible said. I, I reading the Bible, you know, and it said train them up. So I we started reading that book. We sure did. It didn't take long for the devil to rear up, and he sent some false doctrine our way, and it was so weird because. They gave us a book to read. They called it their Bible. And uh, we took one look at that, and we didn't know anything, right? But we took one look at that, and we just said, that's not a Bible. Put that aside. Never, never indulged ourselves in that again. Went right back to the King James Version of the Bible and started reading again. And as we did, it began more and more to get a hold of us. And uh, I was working with the gentleman, the brother in the church, and as I said, he's witnessing to me most every day, and, and uh, I would say actually every day without fail. And so I uh, remember him on a particular day. It was a Wednesday, and I was sitting in an open window because the window was being replaced. There was no frame in it or anything, just block. I was sitting there, and I had the Bible in my hands. I was reading it day and night. And he, he said to me, what are you doing tonight? And I said, why? You want me to go to church? He grinned ear to ear, 88 keys. And he said, yeah. <laughs> I said, all right, I'll go. Well, I had no clue what church was about. I had no experience with it. I'd been to lots of ball stadiums. I'd been to Yankee Stadium. I was a New Yorker. And that's where I thought I was in that service. I thought I was in the center field bleachers of Yankee Stadium. That's what I identified it with. People were jumping up and saying amen and glory to God and hallelujah. Sometimes they'd run around the church. And I'm like, what, 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 what's happening here anyway? You know, 
But I realized that these people were excited about God, not about the Yankees. That's, that's about the time that my priority list changed. And Jesus went to the top, the Yankees went to the bottom. And uh, I can tell you, I came into church, I experienced just the environment of a Holy Ghost service. It was so real and rich with God's power and His love, His grace and His mercy and His compassion. And I, I would go home and I, you know, I, I, I would, again, I would just read and my wife would read and I remember going out of that first service. I got her to go with me, and, and uh, I said, so what did you think? I was walking across the parking lot. She said, well, it sure was different. And I said, yes. And I said, they've got something I don't have, and I want it. And, uh, well, I'd been through a lot of fads and fashions. I used to wear rubber shirts and plastic pants and, I worked in a hippie clothing store. That's what they called us back in the 60s. And I had crazy clunky shoes on, and I was just flat-out weird. Buddha hanging around my neck and, you know, hair was, believe it or not, I had hair, and it was long. (laughs) And, uh, There's an awful lot of confusion in our world, church family. People don't identify with the right thing, especially when they haven't heard about the right thing. The right thing that will put you in your right mind. Put you in a sound mind. Give you, begin to put the fruit of the Spirit in your life, one of which is temperance, which is Self-discipline, which you start get disciplined in sound thinking based on chapter and verse and subject matter. The more I went to church, now she stopped coming, she thought it was just a fad. But you see, the more I went to church and the more I read the Bible, the more I was with somebody that wanted to talk about God, the more everything about me was changing. You get a change on the inside, it will bring a change on the outside. But I must tell you, as the Bible says, the word beware. You must beware because you can get a change for the wrong on the inside, having come to know this. And that too will bring a change on the outside, but it won't be for the good. You'll be retracting. You'll be going backwards. You'll, you know, you'll be like that guy that was on I-95 in his his Cadillac. And every time he'd go on 95, this guy would pull up next to him and put it in neutral and gun the engine and then put it in drive and take off. And they'd race. And the guy, the other guy would always win. And so every time this guy had to take his Cadillac into the mechanic shop 
It was torn up, broken down. And that happened three, four, five times after racing this other guy on different occasions. And finally the mechanic said, just what is it you're doing? He said, because you keep ruining the car. And it's the same thing every time. What are you doing? He said, well, you know, I get on the I-95. And he said, this guy comes up and he challenges me to race. And he said, he takes off and I get going and I'm trying to go faster. So I put it from D down to S for super. And then he said, he's still going ahead of me. So I, I put it up in the R for race. I'm trying to tell you, you can just get in the wrong gear. You can misread things about God. You can take the wrong spirit and the wrong attitude. And you won't find yourself back where you were. You'll find yourself further back than where you were. The last state or condition being worse than the first. It's so wonderful and marvelous to be in the right mind. Imagine a guy that was long time filled with legions of devils. Thousands. And they would just carry him wherever they wanted. They would have control. He'd be wandering in the tombs and the catacombs. Maybe today we would call that the clubs. Maybe today we would call that the crack houses. All kinds of different dens and dives and places where people hang out. Involved with all kinds of different things. Chasing all kinds of different things even as he chased through the catacombs. The Bible said in subject matter that he would even cut himself on the sharp rocks. Lots of self-inflicted wounds. But you know, you find that people don't want to be responsible. They don't want to take responsibility for their actions. It's always somebody else's fault or some circumstance or this didn't go right or that didn't go right. But I stand here to tell you that God wants to set it right in your life. I'm certainly no different than anybody else. I was born in sin. I was shapen or misshapen, if you please, in iniquity. I didn't know anything about him. Said many times if you'd have told me to turn to the second book of Hezekiah, I would have been hunting it. Because I didn't know the books of the Bible when I first came. I remember being the rookie on the job at the church when we were building. I was brand new, come in, and was in a building program right away with my pastor. And, and uh, oh, it was a lot of fun when they sent me to look for the second chapter of Jude. And I come running back out of breath. There, there is no second chapter of Jude. And they all fall on the ground laughing. They'll turn and walk away laughing, you know. They had a lot of fun with the rookie. But that's all right. 
They got tormented. Now they're going to torment the next guy. But you're going to learn. You're going to learn of me. <laughs> That's what Jesus said. Come unto me and learn of me. Oh, we got some teachers that are going to help you to learn real good about this word of God. This word that can save you and deliver you. I'm glad that Acts 2.38 saves us initially from a confusing world, a mixed up world, run amok. I'm glad that being baptized in Jesus' name and then being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost that saves an individual, delivers them from sin and the desire of sin, that Satan's desire no longer has control over you. And I'm glad that John 1 and 8, that would be 1 John 1 and 8 and 9, and Titus 3 and 5, will keep you saved, will keep you delivered, will keep you washed in the blood and renewed in the spirit of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. amen. Friend, that's the two most important principles just about that you need to have in your heart. How to get saved and how to stay saved. And then take that and save others. Get about the Father's business. Luke 2.49 said that. Amen. Amen. How great. Not only how great is our God, but oh, how great is His salvation. People are lost, undone, Miserable and lonely, mixed up and confused. The, author, the devil is the author of confusion. And he is the small g, lowercase g, God of this world. And he blinds the mind. He doesn't want you to see the goodness of God. Think of another biblical example. God, who is a spirit, John 4 and 24. God who robed himself in flesh, spoke the word over a willing vessel, and produced a little body. And in that flesh dwell the fullness of the very God bodily. And the time came for his showing to Israel. And he went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. And in the course of a very normal and natural day of Jesus going in and out of one situation after another, you'd be surprised. I'll get a phone call and laugh with somebody and have to put them on hold and get on with somebody else and cry with them. You can go in and out of an awful lot of different experiences and situations with people. You need a wave runner to make it. Worse than 880. Quite a bumpy road. Well, Jesus is taking care of some business, casting out some devils, healing some sick, all in route because a man has besought him to come and pray for his daughter, his only daughter. Sick, near unto death, nigh unto death. 
Jesus is on his way. And then the word comes. Don't bother the master. Don't trouble him. He's, uh, she's dead. It's all over. But Jesus stepped into the situation. It's a big difference when Jesus steps in. Just ask the disciples when he was on board and the storm came. There's a big difference with Jesus on board. When you're going through your rough places and your tough places, you want to get him on board. Yeah. And, and you might have to do some praying. Oh, God forbid. You might have to do some praying to wake up what's inside of you that's sleeping to get the answer that you need. That the psalmist talked about that voice of the Lord. And the writer, First Peter, wasn't it? Talked about that excellent voice from glory. Such a voice. That's so Jewish. Such a voice. Way vague. What a voice. Jesus steps into the situation and he tells them a room full of people that have given up, that have moved on, thrown in the towel. Doctors probably already signed off on the death certificate. Jesus says, talk about courage. Jesus said, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Now, they didn't just laugh at him. The Bible said they laughed him to scorn. I can just imagine them taking seats and folding their arms. The Bible talked about sitting in the seat of the scornful. The scorning glares and attitudes and thoughts. But the Bible said Jesus put them all out. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. They laughed him to scorn. Unfazed, he just put them all out. People don't uh, really believe that God will put some people out. But he did, right in your Bible. And he took with him them that believed. And he simply, of course, put his hand on the situation, spoke the word, and as the Jamaican said, made everything iry. Everything was made right. Everything was made right. Just like when they were so fortunate that he was on board and that his flesh, being weary, he was just taking a little nap and... Uh, there is such a thing as a need in the flesh. I don't know if they caught him in the middle of a big snore or what. But they awakened him. They said, don't you care that we perish? <laughs> he just woke up and said, and where is your faith? Hmm. 
Hmm. Good comeback, huh? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Well, we've got a man that's full of devil. Well, that's not so much different than many that we deal with today, is it? Bible teaches very plainly that Jesus, upon request, not amazing that the the devil <laughs> the devil was put in such a predicament that he began to beg. The Bible says the devil doesn't like being put out because he walks through dry places. He's seeking rest. Oh, well, if you want rest, get the Holy Ghost. Because this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, Isaiah 28. Friend, you want, you, you better get it in the right words. And what it's saying is, I want the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost. But you know what? One place they said, when asked, have you received the Holy Ghost? One of the two most important questions. Have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, we don't know where there'll be any Holy Ghost. We got a big job then, don't we? The church has a big job. We've got a world that doesn't know. We've got a world that's confused. Just like you and I were. Not knowing. Having no clue. Clueless. Just very clueless. And we want to clue them in. We want everybody to know. Everybody to know. Everybody to know. Who knows but what a man by the name of Spencer. Destiny and eternity will hang on a crazy looking preacher. Didn't say he was crazy, but crazy looking. Veering over to the side of the road, slamming it in park and jumping out and coming at him with a, a tract, waving it at him. Just had to give this to you. Invite you. Read this on the back. It's in red. Read that. Read that verse. Read that chapter and verse when you get home. What's your name? <gasps> Spencer. Okay, Spencer. I'm going to pray for you. Jump back in the car. Put it in. Put it in uh, drive. And uh, gone. Who knows what will happen in eternity? Talk about a flashback in somebody's life. I remember coming back from church in Fort Myers, stopping at gas station, get gas, guys get a bite to eat, whatever. And uh, there was a woman there and uh, began to witness to her and she spirit rose right up in her. She just got very ugly. And I told her, I said, this is going to greet you in the judgment. This night, this conversation is going to be right there in the judgment. And, you know, a little something popped out. She said, you know, you all think you're the only ones that are right. 
Oh, that told me volumes right there. The only one that's right is Jesus. And we're just trying to get in alignment with him. Your car gets out of alignment. Wheels are going different ways. Your steering wheel is spinning one way or the other. You usually go to the mechanic and that specializes in that. He pulls out a manual. And he sets your car and your alignment to the manual specification. Well, guess what? We've got a manual. It's called the Bible. And we got a lot of people whose wheels are definitely spinning the wrong way. And that they're in need of lining up with the book. They need to come, of course, through what God set up. And a lot of people don't like that. They don't like that God has ordered, that God has set things up a certain way, that the sun rises every day and sets every day, and that this earth is held by God's word and that it spins in its axis, and and that God has ordained things to be a certain way. And our flesh, and we got a guy that's got legions of devils in him, and he's cut himself on so many different things in life, experiences in life, and he's not feeling very good about himself at all. And he's sees Jesus. How blessed a moment it is when you get to see this thing correctly. That for a moment it focuses for you in your mind. This is right. Yeah. Jesus said, well, we're going to have to cast you out. We're going to have to get rid of these devils. And the devil didn't like that. (laughs) He wasn't happy about that at all. And the devil started begging. He said, don't cast us into the deep. You don't think hell is bad? The devil himself don't want to be there. Wake up. Nothing to play with. Nothing to joke about, jest about. Be foolish about. To get in your right mind means to be sober. Sober thinking. Discipline thinking. Not going to drift right and left. And God forbid not going backwards. Going to press toward the mark for the prize. The high calling of God. Which is in the church or Christ Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. Finding that direction my friend. And finding the experience that can put you on point and keep you on it. Devil begging. Jesus casted him out. He didn't want to go into the deep. Begged to go into a herd of swine. Jesus gave him leave and sent him there. Even the swine had sense. They ran away from the situation. They're trying to run away from the devil. But the people, notice the people. I don't know if it would be right to call them shepherds. Because they weren't sheep. But this herd of swine runs down the mountain, off the edge, into the lake, chokes themselves and dies. And now these people that were watching this herd, they head back to town. They start telling everybody what took place. Their version of it. 
Hmm. Next thing you know, the city's coming out. People are coming out. They're coming to see what's happened. And of course, people being more about money. You know, my pastor said, hit the key of M. Money! <laughs> yeah, brother. That's, uh, that's some people's God, is it not? Just remember, it's not money that's the root of all evil, though. It's the love of money. It's that greed. That false god of mammon. And oh yeah, they were all upset. And here's this guy. They all knew who he was. They all knew he was a crazy joker. They were used to seeing him walk around stark naked. And chains, bands broken, hanging from his wrist. Nobody could bind him. Nobody could do anything. They, they couldn't see now that, look at him, he, he's sitting. He's, he's orderly. He's controlled. He's calm. Peaceful. Wow. And look at Put on his Ralph Lauren. Looking pretty good. Looking sharp. I wonder where he got those clothes from. And, uh, and he's in his right mind. He's in his right mind. not crazy anymore. Not talking out of his head anymore. He's not, not being stupid and ridiculous anymore. Not doing crazy, odd, weird, destructive things anymore. They ignore all of that. And they tell Jesus to get out of town. It's amazing the attitude that people take against the work of God in the church. Hey, I remember my wife and I went back home. I had the Holy Ghost four days. Four days. We went back to New York. I thought everybody would want this. I couldn't imagine anybody not wanting this. And everywhere I went, I met with closed doors, slammed in my face. My own sister told me, she said, don't open that Bible or I'll crucify you. That's exactly what she said. And she didn't say it that calmly either. She absolutely told me that she was the devil. And there's my little nephew looking at her looking at me, this little old guy, and he said, Mommy, he said, why are you being mean to Uncle? Oh, he sized that one up pretty well, didn't he? Because I wasn't opening my mouth. I wasn't yelling. Oh, but she was. She had lost it. Yeah. She didn't like that light. She didn't like that, that good Holy Ghost that was staring her in the face. It wasn't too long after that she got divorced. And then, in my wife's side, she has three brothers. 
All three divorced. And it went further than that into cousins and family that divorced. But they said that we wouldn't make it. That we would wind up divorced. And I'm looking in the mirror here, 46 years behind me of marriage. Holy Ghost marriage. And only because of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, Holy Ghost. And they, all they could do, they couldn't see the good. The truth of the matter is people don't want to see good. Because the Bible said men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil, sinful lifestyle, going to wrong places, watching the wrong things, listening to the wrong things, doing the wrong things, acting the wrong way. They can't handle that light. You're pulling the cloak off when you come in. So remember what the Bible said. When men cast out your name for evil, it told you to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You, you, you come into some mighty elite company. You're getting called up to the big leagues when they start giving you a rough time. You remember you did that to the prophets which were before. They took the greatest. They took the greatest. They couldn't see the healing and the blind eyes that were open the deaf ears that weren't stopped and the string of the tongue that was loose. They couldn't see the paralytic stroke, the dead raised. A whole funeral procession stopped dead in the middle of town while he raised a child, a boy, the only son of the mother. None of that was registering because this was interfering with what they really wanted to do. The lifestyle they really wanted to live. And so when the complete opposite was brought to the forefront, evil, and then good was brought to the front. They said, give us evil. Give us Barabbas. Give him. Give us that lifestyle. We like the gambling. We like the women. Nowadays, some of them are saying they like the men. Confusion. Bible said, Romans, men burning their lust one toward another. Women the same thing. Leaving the natural use. We're living in that kind of confusing world. And people out there are, in many cases, not even going to know what they're marrying. You know, because people are in transition. Perversion. 
perverted world, confused world, mixed up world, a world in the hands of the devil, lowercase g, God of this world, who's blinding the minds, keeping people from seeing what God is doing. This is not something to fight. This is something to do what Simeon of old did. Take it up in your arms and embrace it. And then you can say, now mine eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. I see Acts 2.39. I see one God. I see the beauty of holiness. I see how great it is to have a cleaned up life. People know where they're at. They know where they're coming from when God saves them. They know where they've been. They know what their eyes have looked at, their ears have listened to, their mind has dwelled on. They know the lifestyle they've lived. The Bible said that you are, as the body of Christ, you are to take your light Put it under a bushel basket and shove it under the bed. No, it didn't say that. Now, did it? It actually told you not to do that. What it told you to do was put it on top of the table and let it shine. Better yet, put it on top of the mountain. Get it up high. Let it give out that light. Let it shine. So that all that are coming, one translation said, all that are coming to the light might see. Might see. There are people out there that are groping, that are feeling after, that are trying to escape. And Jesus is the only way of escape. And he asked him that. He said, how will you escape? You, you neglect this. You fight this. You argue with this. You take issue with this. How are you going to escape? Well, you know, we could use the common unbiblical word, the rapture, or we could stick with it scripturally and literally, the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part. We're promised as a church that. Want to want that? Want to be a part of that? A moment, a twinkling of an eye. The Lord shall descend from heaven. The shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the last trump. As a matter of fact, in subject matter. And Paul said, I'll show you a mystery. We'll be changed. The moment, a twinkling of an eye. This mortal will put on immortality. That's where Corinthians talked about that body made without hands in the heavens. Oh yeah, that we earnestly groan to be clothed upon with. That's going to take place. and You want that. It's going to take an Acts 2.38 experience to get that. To be born again of water and of the Spirit. Born again of water, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Born again of the Spirit, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the free gift of the Holy Ghost. That Jesus said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Oh, wait. It didn't say receive Christ as your personal Savior. It didn't say accept Him as your Savior. It didn't say that, did it? Never said that. But that's what this world would like to call belief. 
I was in the music store getting the amp fixed, only to find out it's not the amp. But anyway, it needed a good cleaning, so we got it cleaned. <laughs> and the lady that works there, she's been out here many times before, and her and her husband and other people that work there. Matter of fact, the woman that Pete bought her husband's guitar. And uh, they were there, and just the two, and I back, had the guy with me back up the truck and brought the amp in. And, you know, you're always looking for that opportunity, right? And I saw a little sliver of light, friend, and I ran for it. And I told him, I said, you know, I said, believing isn't just saying, I believe. And they looked at me and they said, no, it isn't. And I said, that's right. I said, believing is action. It's action. You're in a building and you tell people, this building is on fire. If they believe you, they're getting out of there. And they're getting out of there quick. Everybody said amen? Amen. Well, Jesus is saying, how are you going to escape? I've made a way. He told them in one place, over and over and over again, I should say, only believe. No, that's not going to work. No. Because that's not what believe means. Believing is action. Jesus said, repent, so you get in your gear and you repent. You tell God you're sorry for being so sorry. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So you get baptized in water, in the name, above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. And it's for the forgiveness, the full pardon, the washing away of all of your sins. And it ain't the water that does the washing. It's the blood that's in the name. It gives you remission of sins or full pardon of sins. I had five so-called JWs. Now, you know, you can't be Jehovah's Witness without the Holy Ghost. But I had five so-called wannabes, I guess, in my living room. Seated, and I sat opposite. And there was a sixth. The sixth was about a 10 or 11-year-old girl. And I'd let them tell their little spiel, and they got done, and I began to tell the truth. And so I brought them to Acts 2.38 and baptism. And I said, uh, can any of you even tell me what baptism is for? Oh, it got kind of quiet. And then they started saying dumb things like, uh, well, to make a public declaration and to Show everybody that you, no, I'm afraid those things aren't in the Bible. They're not even in your version of the Bible. So, why don't we read what the Bible says? Okay. I said, why don't we let the little girl read it? I said, honey, open your Bible, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, and read it for us. And she did. And, of course, it said, for the remission of sin, for the full pardon of sin. For the forgiveness of sins. You know, the Bible says it real well. The Word of God is right there, but people, unfortunately, can have it right in front of them and not see it. 
They're blind to it. Their mind is blind. Because they're fighting. While you're telling them, they're already in their mind so tied up because they're thinking of what they're going to say back to you. Too busy doing the Bruce Lee thing, you know, defense, defense, defense. If we could employ a little hearing ear, the Bible says, a hearing ear. Listen, incline your ear to the Word of God, which really means your mind. We're trying to get a right mind here. We're trying to have that as a final result of the born-again experience. The devil going out and God coming in. That you find yourself changed for the good. You find yourself truly liberated. Not from man-made shackles, but from evil spirits that tie up your mind. Darken your heart. You get translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. How marvelous it is. And that is a Bible word, marvelous. And the Bible did say, it is marvelous in our eyes. Don't ever lose the marvel of it. Don't ever lose the marvel of what God has done for you. How He's Delivered you. You know, you probably won't lose it if you keep telling it, if you keep sharing it, if you keep inviting somebody else, telling somebody else, teaching Bible study to somebody else. Keeps it alive. Keeps that fire burning. Amen. Amen. Have a little trouble your fire dying down? Take the page out of Jeremiah's book. He said, I got the word in there and it was fire shut up in my bones. <laughs> yeah, and God was saying, okay, you got it now. You got to share it. You got to give it. And Jeremiah, he kept trying to hold it in until it, it just couldn't do it. Pepto-Bismol wouldn't help. Nothing wasn't working. The only remedy was going to be to go Share it with somebody. Tell somebody. Look what the Lord has done. Let me tell you what he did in my life. And then, you know what? You're more or less relieved of your responsibility with that individual. As the angel said, and I've told people that. I tell them, I say, like the angel, lo, I have told you. I've told you. I've, I've unburdened myself to tell you. I may never see Spencer again. I told him. I gave him that track and I pointed that verse out. That that may be all that I get to do with him. Jumped out of a truck in the middle of Southern Boulevard. Jogged up a concrete median to a no-legged lady in a wheelchair holding a sign. Her companions standing next to her. Dropped a few dollars in the little cup. And I said, this is nothing. This is everything. 
Pointed at Acts 2.38. I did like Jesus. What is thy name? She said, Paula. I said, Paula, you go home and read this. We're going to pray for you. Pray for you. And if God lets me, I'm going to get back to Paula. If he'll let me. Come on. I already scoped out a place where I can pull the car over in the grass and get out in the middle of everything again and bring a little pad and going to write down see if I can find out where she lives. Set up a Bible study. You know, if we get to baptize her, it'd be like the kids baptizing a doll. When I tell you she has no legs, she has no legs. Not, not below the knee, not just above the knee. Like Ezekiel, above, <laughs> kept going up. Yeah. There's not much left there. And you know, that amputation takes place to save the body. To save the body. God help us. God help us. There are a lot of people out there. Jesus gave us a tremendous example of what He could do to an individual's life. The good that He could do. The good that He could do. Let's not ignore what he does. Like the people of that town did. They fought the church. They fought the truth. Fought the preacher. And the Bible said that Jesus went right back and climbed up into that ship and left. And went back to the country where he had come from. And they said that people were there waiting for him. They welcomed him. When one won't, one will. Remember that. God is going to have a church. He already got one in the grave, but he's going to have one that is alive and remaining, up and running and doing for him till that Voice comes from heaven. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. God put us. He did put us in our right mind. You children that are raised, being raised in the church. You've grown up with the right way of thinking. The right way of doing things. At least at this congregation you have. Especially if you're in the academy. Day in and day out, this great Word of God. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise well, the clock is telling me to quit. I'm deciding whether or not to be obedient. I got to be a good example, though, don't I? Yeah. You know, the Bible said when they came out and they found that dude sitting there in his clothed and right mind that they were afraid. People get afraid they're going to lose something that they're holding on to. In closing, let me say to you that I always feel like the guy was a little bit cocky. Maybe he was putting it on to act big, you know, just to Dry out his chest and just kind of act like all that. 
Maybe because really inside he didn't feel like very much at all. I don't know. But I do know that he, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, well, you know what the scriptures teach. Da-da-da, Oh, wow. Done that ever? As a youth. Raised up that way. I know all that. The Bible said that Jesus showed a burden of love towards the individual. Was moved towards him. And that he said, one thing now lacking. Man, he didn't have much to do and go. I had a whole lot more than one thing with me. <laughs> he said that one thing. Just one thing. That should have made him a happy camper. Man, I, I only got one thing against me on the list here. One thing. Thou like. I'm sure it was say on, Master. I'm sure he's feeling very confident. Just all blowed up like a toad. Jesus said, Go sell what you got. Give it to the poor. Follow me. The Bible said, <laughs> oh boy, he just, he just, immediately became very sad. Because he'd been, he got, he had a whole lot in his life. A whole lot of things. Probably looked over there and said, you see that donkey Lamborghini parked over there, Jesus? See these shoes? I don't know. Jimmy Choo, does he make men's shoes? I don't know. Whoever. I don't know. Paragamo or somebody. Yeah. Great possession. And you know what the Bible said about that young man? He didn't stay with Jesus. He didn't stay with the church. The Bible said he went away. Sorrowful. That's how it is for people who turn away from truth and the church, and the experience, the blood of the Lamb, the grace of God, the compassion of God, the mercy of God, the love of God. People who turn away from that. Because that's the way they go. Sorrowful, sad, depressed, down and out. No matter how great possession. Just ask the guy that kicked back and said, man, I'm going to get, oh, this warehouse is too small. I'm going to build me a mansion warehouse. Put all my toys in. I'm pretty sure that a couple of angels were standing by and one of them said, you think? And then God's voice came on the scene. And he said, Thou fool! Oh, that's bad to get God call you a fool. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. Thou fool. This night, thy soul is required of thee. Not going to be the bigger 
this or the bigger that, or this plan or that plan or the other plan. This night, right now, it's coming. How quickly judgment can fall. But I'm trying to tell you how quickly you can get in the right mind. How quickly things can be made right in your life. How quickly, I think I've told you at least once, my pastor, he didn't fear nothing except God. He's driving along. I mean, the rain was torrential. And it was them old country roads. They're narrow, you know. And uh, you could not see. The windshield wipers could not do the job. And you could not see the line. In front. You, couldn't, you couldn't see past the windshield. It was that terrible. That heavy a downpour. And he's just bulling through. And there sat Sister Dunn. Little Sister Dunn. Like one lady told me that runs the cleaners, she, she wanted to carry out the cleaners. And I said, no, I'll do that. That's too heavy for you. She said, hey. She said, I may be small, but I'm strong. So that's, I never even knew her name. I'd always say, we're small but strong. And so and they'd all look at me like, and so little sister Dunn, sitting there, and suddenly she goes, all right, I've had enough of this. Jesus! And the rain stopped just that abruptly. And Brother Dunn told me, he said, I looked over at her. <laughs> I think he took a little notice right about then. He told me one time, he said, I know my woman's burden. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm trying to tell you, Jesus can make things right. Real quick, like, in your heart. And when you get your heart right, it's going to set everything else right. Your outlook on things is going to change for the good. Oh, man, I remember, and I still am so happy to have the Holy Ghost. When I hit that altar that night, burdened down, thought I was there for other people who rejected me witnessing to them, and I thought that I was coming to pray. What? No, no, no. God pulled a fast one on me, and he got me to the altar when there wasn't even any church that night. Wasn't even prayer meeting that night. But God had a, a guy living upstairs in the, in the building, and he came down, and he took one look at me, sitting with my back against the glass door, and he he said, oh, I better let you in. He unlocked the door and I made a beeline down to the altar. All brand new to me now. And I began to pray. Well, how did you know how to pray? Well, no, I didn't know how to pray. I, I, didn't, I didn't know anything. I began to call on the Lord. I began to ask for His help. And all of a sudden, his hand starts going like that. And I'm praying. And I look. Why are you doing that? Well, when I started thinking natural, it stopped. 
And then I got very motivated because I got scared. And I started screaming, God, don't leave me! And then both hands started going. And then God took over. He sent his spirit into my heart. And in believing in my heart, great activity, action going on. And I began to confess with my mouth. Don't you wish people understood that verse? There's no contradiction in God's Word. There's just a lot of confusion about God's Word that people have. Let's stand together. God love your heart. You don't have to live confused. At least you don't have to live that way any longer. I, I guess when the, the guy opened the door, and he was a preacher in training, when he opened the door to let me in, I, I guess that uh, I left my pride outside. I wasn't at the altar too long by myself. Naturally, physically by myself. When the door opened and in came the man that I worked for that was in the church with his wife and my wife. He came to the front, knelt down. Ladies chose to sit in the back. And I, man, I want you to know that the dam broke inside of me. And my wife sitting in the back, she said, when I heard you crying like that, she said, that's when I knew it was for real. Real. And two and a half hours later, when I speaking in tongues subsided, over forty-five years looking back in that mirror, and I don't want to look back, but you know what I mean. That God had saved me and delivered me and changed my life for the good, and I found that. Opposite these people that looked at that and lives and people worshiping and praising and changed and happy. I wasn't afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. The only thing that that's that fear is about, that Frady Cat stuff is about, is that young man's saying, I'm looking at all the things I got. I don't want to lose those things. She isn't worth it. He isn't worth it. You want what God's got in the church. Ooh, I slipped that one in on you, didn't I? Yeah. Amen. Amen. The right mind does it God's way. The right mind chooses what the Word says. The right mind is in subjection to leadership. The right mind comes to church faithfully. The right mind gives its tithe faithfully. The right mind wins souls. The right, the right, the right mind does these things. Holy Ghost mind. Holy Ghost mind. Amen and amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Let's be of the right mind. I think that would be the mind of God. Let this mind be in you, which was in the man, Christ Jesus. Yes, because in him dwelled the fullness of the very God bodily. And to be able to have the mind of God, my friend, in a world that is driven by the wrong mind, in all the wrong directions, living for the wrong one, to be delivered from all of that, to see it crystal clear, things fall in place for you. The Bible said it's a marvelous thing in our eyes that that which they said it not, the same is the head of the corner. Let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands. And I love you, Jesus Christ. I praise and worship you, holy God. I bless your great, mighty, holy name. AJ, AJ. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I give you praise. Oh, God, I give you praise. Come on Thank you.